0: This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Shamanad University.
1: Well, happy Aloha Friday, Friday the 13th, here uh, on Spotlight Hawaii. I'm Ryan Kalei, joined by Ianji Denise, and today we are going to be focusing on education.
2: That's right. We are so lucky this morning to be joined by the Hawaii Department of Education Interim Superintendent Keith Hayashi. Uh, He took the reins of that job not too long ago and school just started. So, Superintendent, thank you so much for being here this morning.
0: Well, thank you for inviting me, Yunji and Ryan. Thank you.
2: We're so happy to have you. Let's talk about how school is going. You know, we had that breaking news this morning, over 1,100 cases reported, uh, COVID cases reported in the state today. There are so many families who are concerned about COVID on campus. What can you tell us about how school's going so far?
0: Well, so far, um, you know, looking at our our data from last week, we report every Friday. And so we have about 105 uh, cases as of last week. considering the over two hundred thousand uh, students and faculty and staff that we have in the department uh, our mitigation strategies are working you know for all of our schools um, our principals and teachers and our uh, our students are focused on four core strategies and that's um get vaccinated uh stay home if you're sick uh mask and hand hygiene and those are the four strategies that we're focusing on throughout our system Um, in addition to other uh, layered mitigation strategies uh, that schools can um, additionally do to support students and safety
1: if we can focus a little bit about those numbers that we saw those uh, 105 cases as you talked a little bit about what, what are you learning of that because that doesn't necessarily include just that first week of school if you can give us a better context of how those number uh, the, how that number came to be and what that is the summary essentially of
0: so uh, though that number is basically for the for the week uh you know we have if there is a case on campus um our principals do a really good job of uh reporting that to to us to the state as well as um Doing the doing some contact tracing and reporting that to the Department of Health. Uh, principals do there's a process and a protocol that we go through, and they notify um, the parents of any uh, students that's impacted. Uh, if we need to quarantine students, then those students will be quarantined, notify the parents, um, and th- this address safety as a whole. So. Um, those numbers you know if if they do increase you know we'll continue to adjust them through uh, the work of our school administrators and teachers
2: I wanna bring in this question from Alana Diaz who says, what is the threshold to close the schools? Is there a certain number of cases or hospitalizations? Of course, we don't wanna see any schools close. School just started and so many students are probably so happy to be back among their peers and with teachers in person. But uh, at what point do you close a campus? And at what point do you have to close an entire complex?
0: You know, uh, we are working very closely with the Department of Health. You know, They've been great partners. Uh, in, in working together with the DOE, and uh, we, when we look at contact tracing and looking at the impact at at schools, you know the Department of Health has also um, uh, prioritized the DOE and have they have assigned additional teams uh, for contact tracing, so they can help us to monitor what's happening at the schools. So if it get if it ever gets to a point where we need to make those decisions, uh, we're definitely going to be uh, working with DOH. Um, and before any decisions are made. Uh, yeah. So it, it working with the through the Department of Health.
1: If we can uh, also talk a little bit more about just the testing availability that may be uh, an option for those teachers. We have some parents out here who are asking, you know, why aren't we testing more? Um, why aren't we having more opportunities and availability for testing that may be made available for not only students, but teachers and staff. Uh, is that uh, expanding testing efforts in the plan at all? And if you can talk a little bit more about any of that sort of mitigation that might help to uh, de- determine if COVID
0: is on a, a specific campus? Sure. Um, we do have partners that are we working with. We did um, in the beginning of the year we we partnered uh, with uh, with what's called ICAT, and uh, through that program we did offer testing to uh, to schools as a pilot. Uh, we are working with. Um, Different providers and with the Department of Health to see what how we can expand some of that uh, to offer that to other schools. So that is definitely an ongoing um, an ongoing project that we're doing and uh, to, to help to build um, additional opportunities for our schools. Uh, we are prioritizing uh, areas that uh, may um, may need additional support related to um, the number of. Uh, uh, cases that are in the area so it's, it's very strategic in how we're doing that so uh that is something that we're working on most definitely and if, if well, i can
2: well, please go ahead
0: no yeah if, if also uh, when we look at testing um i, I just wanted to uh kind of add too that uh it kind of it's, it's related a little to athletics and i know that's been a, a question for people uh, that why why are we um why are we Saying that, uh, why do we make the decision that September 20th, uh, or September 20th, 20th, 24th would be the day that students need to be vaccinated in order to uh, compete in, in athletics? And why wouldn't we just allow students to get tested? Right, right a little bit to what you're asking about with testing. And um, as we we're looking at um, the, the, the variant, the COVID variant, and in uh, consultation also with the Department of Health, um, we made that decision uh, for a couple of reasons. One was because we prioritizing in-person learning was really important to us, and it's always been a focus for for uh, the department and for our schools to ensure uh, that our kids can be, our students can be in school learning. Um, and also, we wanted to preserve um, athletics. And uh, although athletics would start a little later. With all of the students vaccinated, um, that would ensure that hopefully we do have a season. You know, in, in the preseason, we had uh, well, we had cases, uh, a case that, for example, at one high school uh, in the preseason, there was a positive case. And because that student wasn't vaccinated and, and the other students were not vaccinated, um, the whole team had to quarantine, you know, and not only that team, but the team that they played also have to quarantine. And so from that, and then uh, the game the f- following day was canceled. So from that one case, it impacted, I believe six or seven teams, you know, and just from that example, you know, um, that situation, uh, we, we really took a look at what do we need to do to put in place? Testing was one of the things we looked at, uh, but uh, we felt to really ensure that we have a season that's when we decided to uh, implement the uh, September 24th date for testing. And from the September 24th date, of the acclimatization process would start to ensure that our students are um, competing safely uh, so that we can have a season. So that's kind of a little related to your testing question.
2: You know, following that same logic that one student's exposure can have a tremendous impact on those around them, why not mandate vaccinations for all the students that are that are on DOE campuses? Is there any thought to having all students who are eligible for vaccinations be mandated uh, in addition to the student athletes? Just looking at the wider student body, have you had those conversations? And is that a possibility? Um,
0: that discussion, that that uh, decision, is a decision um, that the Department of Health will make. They are. Uh, vaccinations that are already mandatory for schools uh, that have been determined as such by the Department of Health. And um, whatever protocols that they need to follow uh, to make that decision, um, we would abide by that. But as of right now, it is not uh, mandated, the the, uh, COVID vaccine. Uh, So that's not something where the Department of Education can um, require for all of our students. However extra, uh, athletics is an extracurricular activity and it's by students' choice that you're participating in it. So as such, uh, we do have the flexibility and the latitude to um, to require the vaccinations.
1: We're getting a lot of questions here about distant learning options and what options are being made available for those parents who feel that schools just simply aren't safe enough to send their kids back and uh, maybe the lack of options that are being presented at the moment. Can you explain a little bit about uh, the distant learning options and, and what you and the department are looking at to expand those uh, options if parents feel that campuses still are just aren't safe enough?
0: Sure. you know. Um, At the end of uh, last school year, you know, the focus was on all of our students returning to school uh, for uh, in-person learning. Uh, And as as things evolved with the variant, uh, you know, it became clear that, you know, we did need to offer some kind of a distance learning option for some parents who felt that, uh, you know, they they wanted their students in that option. You know, I I really need to uh, credit the schools, um, the principals, the teachers, the administration um, at at the various schools, at the complex areas, for in a very short period of time, standing up distance learning options at the respective schools, complex areas, and even at the state level. Um, To be honest, as a former school principal, um, I was really hesitant uh, um, and wondering, how can we do this? You know, but to see what happened um, at our schools, having options for parents uh, was, in my mind, was incredible. I, looking at the state level, at the state office, um, again, standing one up at the school level is it, in a short period of time is, is very difficult. But to uh, get a, a system in place that uh, we can offer for students um, from, from different complex areas, uh, I think they did a really good job. Currently, we have about uh, I want to say about two hundred students who are uh, in elementary, K eight, that uh, elementary and middle school that are um, currently waiting to get into the state program. We do have the uh, positions there. What we're waiting on is hiring teachers. We we have hired teachers. Uh, I would say about maybe three or four of them. Um, potential teachers accepted the positions and then for whatever personal reasons decided that uh they didn't want us they didn't want that particular position which kind of put put us back a little so you know we're still in the hiring process. Um, all of the high school students um have been th- there are no high school students in the state in the state program they've all been taken care of. So as far as the school level, the complex area level and, and the state level uh you not know, although we know we need to get those other students in a program, considering the number of students that we've had to uh, you know, address and accommodate and support, uh, I'm, 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 for me, I'm very proud of the fact that we're able to do that.
2: I just want to get a little bit more clarity, and there's some people asking about the numbers. So how many students are in distance learning programs right now, and how many are essentially waiting for that to become available?
0: Um, I'm not. I'm not sure exactly on the total number statewide. I can get that to you. Uh, I do know at the at the state program, the state program, we we do have about uh, about 200, little over 200 students that are waiting to get into the program. Um, other than that, I, I think we're okay at the, at the state program. And
1: so, those who are waiting, they're simply waiting because you folks are looking to essentially hire teachers that will fill fulfill the positions of being these online teachers is that correct
0: yes that's correct in fact uh I was just talking with with them uh, a little while ago and we do we, we have put three more teachers that we're interviewing on Monday and hopefully if we can get them in um, that's roughly 30, it's about 90 more students that we can accommodate and so the, the more um, the quicker we can get the applicants in get them hired you know we'll be able to uh, to address those students who are not yet in a program.
2: I want to ask you about vaccination rates among the DOE as a whole. The governor made news last week and requiring all state and county employees to be vaccinated or uh, get weekly testing. What is the vaccination rate as far as you understand of teachers and then all, of course, there's so much support staff on campus. Um, How much farther do you have to go to reach the governor's uh, mandate?
0: Uh, We haven't uh, currently assessed the total number of uh, teachers and staff that we have vaccinated. We we will be um, having uh, uh, later today uh, the process that will be coming out to all of our employees um, on what that will look look like and what that process will be. So we'll hopefully be getting that very soon.
1: You know, there seems to still be just a lot of questions about uh, options and just making sure. I I think parents uh, just overall are concerned. I mean, you look at the numbers here that we're seeing today, and obviously there are a lot of. People just in the community who maybe don't have kids that are scared. And and then you think about these parents that are having to make this decision to send their kids to school during this time. Um, I'm wondering if you can shed a little more context about the testing process. I mean, I know that you kind of broke it down at the beginning that it'll be tested and that those numbers essentially will be released at the end of each week. Do you think that that is uh, enough time that that is a good gauge for this testing? Should that be done more Uh, frequently, so to speak, so that these numbers are released uh, in a more efficient manner rather than waiting to the end of the week. Are you comfortable with the way that this format is being set up with these numbers being released at the end of each week that dictate what happened that week for each of the campuses?
0: Um, Yeah, I think uh, um, right now looking at the numbers that we have, you know, the 105 uh, students, you know, most definitely we would would want that number to be zero, Uh, but you know, what we're seeing with with that increase um, 105 uh, students out of 105 cases. I'm sorry, not students, cases. Uh, both students and adults of roughly 200,000 students and employees. Uh, you know, if if we do need to make adjustments, you know, we're watching the data. If we do we do need to make adjustments as we move forward, we definitely will do that, both in consultation with the Department of Health and um, and our school leaders. Uh, but as of right now, we're we're doing uh, we're reporting it at the uh, end of the week. We also have uh, a website on uh, on the DOE, on our DOE website uh, that has uh, reporting um, that is uh, updated weekly.
2: I want to ask you about those mitigation measures. There's a lot of people who are asking about just the classrooms themselves. We know that, oh, you know, overcrowding was an issue before COVID, and that ventilation was also an issue. A lot of classrooms lacking air conditioning, and 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 right now you'd want the windows open. I mean, what is being done to make sure that when the students are in class that they are kept safe?
0: Right. So again, you know, we do have uh, those core mitigation mitigation strategies. Where number one, you know, to get vaccinated. Uh, number two, if you're if you're not feeling well, if you're sick, you know, stay home. Very uh, that's really important. Uh, to to mask wearing uh, indoors, everyone's wearing masks. If students want to wear a mask outdoor, uh, you know, they can if they want to. Some schools are also asking students to wear masks outside, especially at the at the secondary and at the high school level. Are uh, at the elementary level, uh, when students are outside, they're in their Ohana bubbles. So, uh, you know, we are um, a cohorting students. That's another strategy that we use. Our hand hygiene is, is, is the last uh, core strategy. You know, be able to make sure you're washing your hands. Uh, you know, Don't be touching your face and your mask and so forth. Um, uh, distancing is another um, strategy, uh, but I, what, we, what we're really focusing on is those four core strategies. You know in in addition to the other mitigation strategies. And I think, you know, when we look at uh what our what our teachers and our administrators and school staff are doing, um I, I really think they're doing a really great job. You know, so for for our parents um uh, uh, who may have concerns, you know, um uh, I wanna just assure you that our, our our school staff are working really, really hard to help support and um to the best of their ability to ensure everyone's safety.
1: I wonder if we can explain a little bit more about the cohorts um, that you had just mentioned. So essentially these are the same students that would stay together throughout the day. Um, One teacher or the teachers rotate, but the students maybe would stay the same uh, to limit the exposure overall. Uh, If they're staying in the classroom together during this time, does that also mean that after school they're kind of released at the same time? How do you ensure these cohorts or these bubbles remained intact if, before or after school they essentially are intermixing with other students from other cohorts how are you managing these cohorts and and keeping these so to speak bubbles together
0: yeah um, students uh, schools have done uh, are implementing different strategies and we're basically uh each each school principal and their staff know their schools best so uh you know they they're implementing different things and so you uh, Some uh, work with their students and have them go straight to class uh, when when they're dropped off by their parents. Uh, Some students, as they wait outside they're they may be cohorted together in front of the class, distance with their mask on. Uh, There there are a number of different strategies that schools are using. Uh, During recess and such, you know, when you drive past school, sometimes you will see these markers that are up, um, and, and that's where when students come out, uh, you know they stay in that marker area in the Rohana bubble during recess, and uh, times that they're out on campus during the school day. Yeah, we also, lo- we could,
2: yeah, oh sorry, there are a lot of questions about social distancing. And Jennifer has has a point here. She says there's no social distancing on the bus. The buses are packed. I mean, you are limited by the resources that you have. Um, I assume that you can't have. The bubble be on the same bus. They don't necessarily all live in the same area. So, so how do you manage something like that? Because yes, you have the bubble, you know, during the school day. But a lot of parents are saying, look, after school or at lunch, these bubbles are essentially broken.
0: We, we do um, encourage our families who are students are riding the bus coming from the same family to you know stay together. Uh, the bus windows are open definitely to ensure the ventilation. Uh, students are masked on the bus so we are um uh, implementing those strategies to the best of our our abilities um and and so again you know when students come off the bus you know we do our best to ensure that uh, uh, they're practicing those core strategies which include wearing their masks staying home if they're sick um washing their hands when they get to class you know i know a lot of teachers do that when students come in the first thing they do before anything else is you know washing hands in, in class. And uh, again, for those students who can vaccinate, you know, we, we very much so encouraging vaccination.
1: You know, as the interim superintendent here of this, uh, you know, the, the education system here in Hawaii, uh, in, in speaking with your predecessor who was in this role, one of the things that she spoke about, the challenges that she faced were just overall the budget shortfalls uh, in, in ensuring that this department can continue to move forward. During non-COVID related matters, uh, you add in COVID-19, it's adding a whole nother layer, of course, of expenses and things that the department has have to set up from distance learning uh, opportunities to just um, making sure that each classroom is safe and children and uh, students and teachers are also safe if you can speak a little bit about the overall budget right now and and what you are facing in terms of shortfall, what you may be asking the legislature for support. And and do you, uh, are you hearing that you're going to get that support? Because we know that this was an issue uh, of the last superintendent.
0: You know, uh, we're going to definitely make sure that, you know, we communicate our needs, uh, you know, to the legislature and to the governor, you know, and um, they've been very, in my time that I've been here in the last, uh, this is, I think, like my, my ninth day, or something like that, and uh, in, in meeting with the different legislators and you know with the governor and the board of education members, uh, you know, I started off by saying you know we can get through this if we all work together, and I'm I'm the meetings that I've had with everyone has been has been very supportive and um, uh, prioritizing education, and I think um, I'm I'm really. Um, uh, I'm really looking forward to continue to work with everyone because they, they have prioritized education and, and looking at how we can support our students. Uh, as, you know, we're very fortunate also, uh, you know, to get some federal monies to help support what we're doing with you know American Recovery Act funds through ESSER. and so you know we're definitely going to leverage that um, to the best of our ability to support our students. Again, that's the focus, right? The getting. St- Ensuring that our students are learning. In addition to um, funds that already have been sent down to the school level through weighted student formula and other federal monies, um, our school principals working with their schools have been working really hard in prioritizing 311. Um, it's uh, um, uh, again ensuring that our students are in school, the attendance is important, uh, looking at academics, uh, assessing where our students are currently and providing those necessary supports uh, and assessing a social emotional component. How are students doing? Are they feeling safe? Are there, do they have any concerns? Uh, Looking at those three areas initially and providing those, assessing that, and then schools providing those targeted supports for students to ensure that we can move forward quickly um, as we return to school. Uh, that's three. And then the next one is looking at our staff and ensuring that our staff well-being, we're taking care of our our our, um, our staff. It's all about people, right? And so we want to be sure that uh, everyone's feeling valued and we're, we're moving forward. Uh, the last one is our system, assessing our system, you know, where where uh, we're experiencing success. And if we have needs in certain areas, we'll adjust those. So really leveraging those resources, those fiscal resources, To support that effort and um uh, i'm i'm really feeling positive about uh again the uh support that i've gotten and the department has gotten in, in helping to move forward again it's all about us working together to support our students and that's really important
2: you know i'm just seeing so much frustration in the comments here by a lot of parents who say that when they were surveyed, if they were surveyed, uh, they were surveyed when Delta was not an issue. So only two to 3% of those surveyed said that they wanted to do distance learning. Of course, everybody would love to have their kids back, but now that we have the Delta variant, we have you know, an average of over 700 cases per day in the state, and that number only seems to continue to rise. Uh, will you be making more distance learning options available? And for parents who are watching right now and who say, you know, I I didn't opt for that, but now I'd like to. What do you advise them to do? Uh,
0: you know, we're going to be doing our best to uh, to assess the need and move forward as you know as as much as possible. Uh, you know, there are um, when we when in, in standing up any program. You know, again, there are uh, we, we need to look at uh, different. Different issues that come into play. Uh, personnel is one of them. You know, having to hire teachers uh, to to support uh, programs in different ways is important. Uh, looking at, at curriculum, uh, overall needs. There's there's a lot of things that factor in into um, moving forward. But definitely, as a department, you know, we're we're always looking to um, improve on our services and how we can support people. So, um, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll be definitely taking a look at that moving forward.
1: We know, again, as you mentioned, that this is your ninth day, I believe you said, on the job. Um, if you can, as we wrap up here, unfortunately, we are close to running out of time here, but did want you to just uh, provide your thoughts your your first maybe few days here on the job. And and is this a role that you would like to permanently be in? Uh, do you plan to apply and seek out uh, this job as a permanent uh, position?
0: You know, uh, it's... Yeah, the answer, the quick answer to that is yes, I, I I am. You know, it's an honor for me to serve as interim. Um, when the last time that I was in this, I was fortunate enough to be in this position as an interim um, superintendent. I was there for about a month. Um, it was a different environment, you know, um, and uh, we didn't have COVID four years ago, uh, so it is very different. But I think the thing that's that's consistent is uh, the commitment of our educators and of our people in the department. I mean, it's so inspiring. As I, I, I've been visiting, uh, I, I went to a neighbor island uh, this past week. Visited schools there. Um, I visited with our state office um, our employees here on Oahu. Um, I've been able to meet with other complex areas and area superintendents. Uh, you know, and, and it's so inspiring when you when you really talk to the educators and you listen to them and the effort that everyone is putting in to support our students is um, you. you, you it's it's just it's, uh, it's priceless, you know, and it'd be an honor for me to uh, continue to serve in this role uh, and to support our, our students uh, in our state.
2: Okay, well, Superintendent or Interim Superintendent, Keith Hayashi, thank you so much for being here this morning. We've got a lot of questions in here from parents. We tried to summarize and get to as many as possible. And we welcome you to join us back here anytime. You always have uh, an opportunity to talk here when you're willing.
0: Thank you, Eugene Ryan. Thank you very much for the opportunity. You have a great day. You too. Aloha.
2: Aloha. Well, interesting to hear from him. He did say, uh, you know, those of you who are noting the high case count today, that at the end of every week, they they tally the cases that are related to schools and they release that on Friday. So we don't have a number for this week. The number for last week related to campus was 105 cases. Important to say that some of those those who were tested positive had not been on campus since last May, uh, but we will be getting a clearer picture of what's been happening since kids have been back on campus sometime today when we get those final tallies.
1: And we also recognize that this uh, broadcast is being uh, aired during the same time that the governor and the Department of Health were also having a press conference. There were people asking if this would be recorded. You can certainly go back and watch. This all lives, uh, of course, on the platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser online. Uh, So if you missed part of this conversation, feel free to go back. Some of the other things to highlight that uh, the interim superintendent said is that they recognize that there is a growing need for uh, distance learning options, but Quite simply, they just don't have the personnel right now to help manage that. He said about 200, uh, I believe, the students he said are waiting in the system. They're looking for teachers to essentially manage the online and teach those online classes that they are trying to hire and bring on board. And so they are understandably noting that these are going to have to be options moving forward. But right now, they just don't have the personnel to help lead that area.
2: Yeah, and we saw so much frustration in your comments when it comes to distance learning. A lot of you wanting to know how you can pivot to that that t- list of 200 students that are waiting, we expect that will likely grow as the case count can, uh, you know increases in our community. He talked a lot about why they decided to mandate that student athletes uh, be vaccinated. So uh, you can go back, this is also available as a podcast that'll be posted later this afternoon. so you can always go back and listen to it that way if that is easier for your schedule. But he talked about that decision. He said at this point it's up to DOH whether or not they would mandate the COVID vaccine for all eligible students uh you know sort of system-wide they're not at that point right now he said it's not up to him that really is a department of health decision so we'll be watching that because that's got to be part of the conversation for sure
1: Yeah, a lot uh, that was covered encourage you to uh, go back and watch that and hear more from the interim superintendent looking ahead to next week we have another full week of guests we will have joining us the lieutenant governor, who will of course be giving us an update he has been very front and center with this pandemic with this pandemic and the numbers being reported. Uh, since this all began and he has become an active voice and an active role in making uh, sure that people are aware of these numbers and breaking it down. So we're going to be breaking down the numbers that we see over the weekend with him on Monday.
2: That's right. So please do join us right back here, 10.30 on Monday. Until then, have a safe weekend. Take care of yourself and each other. We'll see you right back here at 10.30. 30. Aloha.
0: This episode of Spotlight Hawaii was brought to you by Chaminade University.